0: Hey, I want to thank our amazing sponsors at mules and more magazine mules and more has been around a long time it's a great magazine and uh, shoot I've been reading this magazine since I was just a little kid I remember my dad subscribed to this when I was little and I'd read it every month and loved it and now uh, our good friend Corey Daniels has taken over as editor of this magazine the last few years and she has done an amazing job um, also did you know that meals comes in a digital format you can download it on your phone read it wherever you're at so hey be sure to check them out MealsMore.com. more.com and uh you know hey tell them ty sent you i'd be very grateful MealsMore.com. hey guys welcome to the everyday mealmanship podcast i'm ty evans uh, this episode was pretty fun for me. Um, we talked about a concept that is critical. I, I think this is so important, and I think if you guys can get good at implementing it, it will be a game changer for your mulemanship, for your horsemanship, for your life, for whatever else you do. But we talked about being process-driven rather than result-driven. And, you know, this this concept was really introduced to me uh, primarily by my coach Louis Fields when I was rodeoing. He, he was big on process. Um, he was big on the mental game and he helped me a lot with this. Uh, I, I feel like he's still teaching me to this day even since he's passed away. You know his son Casey Field is very active in the rodeo world. His son Casey is the best bareback rider of all time. He's won more world titles uh, one more than anybody in the bareback riding, and um, he's a great friend of mine. He's, he's a, an amazing man. But uh, I recently um, come across something that he talked about, and as well as uh, his friend Tilden Hooper, another bareback rider. They were talking about this, and uh, and I thought, oh my gosh, Louis is. <laughs> I'm still learning from Louis, even all these years after he's gone. Uh, but they mentioned his favorite book. Um, and it's called "With Winning in Mind" by Lanny Bassam. And, anyways, I started reading this book, and you know, I, I I it has brought back so many memories of lessons that Louis has taught me. I I, I mean, Louis taught so many concepts out of this book. I, I didn't even realize it, and I, I never knew that Louis recommended this book until just just recently and so um, it, it brought a lot of these ideas back to light and uh, if any of you want a good book I recommend you check that one out because it's, uh, it's it's really interesting really amazing so anyways uh, that's what this episode is about and I talk about uh, a little experience just recently moving sheep herders um, trying to pull a pack horse with a, a new mule of mine and and uh, anyways we talk about some of that stuff but it's a good one hope you guys enjoy it uh big shout out to our sponsor roman homes you guys gotta check out romanhome.com um, they just come out my buddy ben lewis just came out with a a new style called the drifter he just got me one of them it's uh, basically a, a smaller version of the nomad uh, you can still fit a stove in it um, it's really super comfortable for two people You can easily fit two people it's easy to set up it's easy to pack it's it's it doesn't weigh as much as the big nomad so if you're going with just yourself or two of you and you're not taking a big group a big camp you don't need that big nomad you need the drifter so anyways you can check that out love mine it's a great tent Uh, anyways let's get on to the episode you guys here we go Well hey friends, welcome to the Everyday Mealmanship Podcast. I am Ty Evans. I hope you're doing great wherever you are. It is a beautiful day here in Utah. Um temperatures kinda cooled off just a little bit, uh, meaning it's down into the, you know, mid eighties right now. This morning was beautiful. I actually had to put on a a hoodie, go outside. It was just a little chilly, probably just uh, just a hair below sixty degrees and Man, it felt good. Um, last four days, been, we've been up on the mountain. And I tell you what, that is one of the great things about living where we do is it might be hot down here in the valley, but within uh, about 30 minutes, I can be up to about 9,000 foot and up in that high country with the pines and the quakies and oh, feeling good. And it doesn't take long. Unload the mules. And shoot, we can be up to 11,000 feet pretty darn quick here, and um, man, it feels good. So the first part of this week, um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we took the family, me, Sky, the girls, Sky's parents came up, and and uh, Joe and Larry G., we all went for a nice little camp trip, and spent a couple of nights, did some riding, did some fishing, played in the water, just really enjoyed getting out and uh man i i miss that and sometimes people give us some crap because we, we basically do <laughs> we basically do camp like nine or ten months a year meaning we live out of the horse trailer and it's just like camping i mean it is, it, for, i mean as far as trailer camping goes it's the same it's not the same as when i pack you know it's not like going to the back country setting up the wall tent, setting up your tent, hanging out um, far back. But, uh, you know, most of you out there can relate to trailer camping. And that's basically what we do 10 months a year. So all we did, you know, was basically haul the trailer up on the mountain and and, uh, get to spend it in the high country. But it felt so good to get out of the heat and uh, put up the high line, get the mules out there uh man it, it was it was fun it was it was a lot of fun and you know that's what that's what all this is about um I think a lot of people come to our clinics and because the majority of our clinics are in a fenced area or in a arena uh, something like that, people kind of think that you know a lot of the stuff we practice is is arena stuff and <laughs> it's one of my missions to delete that word, that phrase rather from uh, people's vocabulary because everything we do, it, it applies everywhere. Whether I am working cows, uh, whether I'm trail riding, whether I'm in the arena, just practicing, or I'm move helping move the sheep, um, whatever I'm doing, it's all the same. Mulemanship is mulemanship. It doesn't matter how you dress, where you go, what you do, all these things these principles that we teach in our clinics they're applicable everywhere and um but i think when a lot of people say you know my mule doesn't do good at arena stuff what that really translates to is you don't do a darn thing but poke down the trail and you don't ask your mule any questions because i'm doing the same turns the same maneuvers all the same stuff whether i'm standing on dirt in the arena with a fence around me or standing on dirt up on the mountain with, uh, you know, a couple hundred thousand acres around me. So it's all the same for me, but it, you do need to go apply these moves. If, if you always just stay in the arena, if it's always just in the arena or in your backyard, you're, you're kind of practicing for, for what, for the sake of practicing. Maybe you enjoy that and that's great. And I do enjoy it also, but. Go use the stuff you practice, go apply this stuff. If you get an opportunity to go work some cattle, go move some cows, use this stuff while you're moving cows. You know, um, yesterday I had the opportunity to help, um, help move the sheep herders camp just above our house here up on the mountain, um, move his camp from one spot to the next. And, then um, you know, uh, I was riding a mule um, one of my newer mules most of you don't know this mule her name is jojo Um, actually got her from joji that's why we call her jojo (laughs) Uh, but jojo uh, basically doesn't know anything now she's a sweetheart i really enjoy her and i do like her and she's gonna learn but she doesn't know a whole lot well i was asked to help pack um, and i actually wasn't planning on packing i was just going to go up there and basically just be manual labor on this round i didn't bring any any of my own packers um but uh my friend uh morgan mickle who you guys should definitely look up on instagram and youtube he's got a really cool youtube channel all about working sheep and all the stuff that goes into it they got a, a huge operation they're probably one of the biggest sheep ranchers in utah um Anyways, so he wanted to do some filming for his YouTube. So he said, "Hey, do you mind, uh, do you mind leading this this pack horse?" And I said, "Sure, of course. You know, I'm there to help." Well, JoJo was having none of that. She was not impressed with leading a, a pack horse. Well, for one, she was kind of scared of the pack. Um, you know, and you can Morgan's got a bunch of video and pictures. I'm sure he'll have up. You can see some of this because he filmed a lot of this while I was going through. Um, Jojo did not like the horse right behind her. She didn't like my lead rope back there. She didn't like any I mean, she was having a hard time. Now, to add complications to all this, this mule, I really don't have her handy. I mean, she's not really that great at moving the hinds. She definitely is not great at moving her front end, which got in a bind multiple times for me. A lot of people ask. Okay, well, why do I need to move the front end? Why do I need to move the hinds? Well, I'll tell you why. Because you might be asked to pull a pack, pack horse one of these days, and you need to have some maneuvers down to be able to ride one-handed and use your legs and not have to plow rein these things everywhere. And uh, you got to practice this stuff. One of the biggest things that JoJo was not happy with was just that horse being behind her. And she was continually swishing her tail. You can picture what comes next. So she's swishing that tail. Well, she wraps that lead rope under the base of her tail. Now she's getting rim fired. Rim fired is basically when that rope gets caught under the tail and they'll often clamp their tail down and then take off and they'll often get rope burned under the tail. So as I'm going through all this, I'm thinking, man, I wish I would have worked, did some rope work under that tail with her. I wish I could move the hips better. I wish I could move this front end better. I wish she had a better stop. I wish you uh, could get light here on my rain. And, and, uh, I mean, all this, all this stuff I'm thinking, man, I wish I had this good. But, you know, uh, when she did get rim fired, luckily she has a really good mind. So she just clamped her tail down and, and she just kind of wanted to take off. And I, I'm pretty sure Morgan got her on film. So you can probably see it on his YouTube channel coming up. But, um, I ended up, I, you know when you when they get rim fired, you'd like to not uh, let go of the lead rope because that's often when they they'll take off. So you kind of want the horse to go with you somewhat and and not have that whole rope burn under there. It's it's way less severe if it's just a little rope that kind of binds and it, it maybe get a small rope burn. But if you let the rope go, which is your first instinct, and they take off, then you have all that rope that's going to run under that tail, and they're going to get a bad rope burn. Well, lucky for me, uh, the mule actually just wanted to spin around. Now, that might not sound lucky for me because you're thinking, well, now, Ty, you're getting clotheslined, which was the case. Uh, That rope was coming to me, so I did let go of my rope before I got tied up. But luckily, that horse just stood there, and the mule, I I, I blocked her with my outside leg from spinning away. Now, she doesn't have that great of a handle, but at least I had enough uh, enough response from her with my leg to stop her from spinning all the way. I blocked her with my leg so she stopped so she wouldn't take off. And luckily she didn't have much forward motion. She wasn't trying to, you know, take off forward. So, that was a benefit for me. But anyways, my point is is we, we got to practice this stuff so that when these opportunities like this come to use it then you you have some skills you can get something done now luckily for me i can just kind of build the skills as i go and and i I have that ability you know and i have that knowledge of of what to do but i tell you what the job would have been way easier had i showed up prepared with those skills would have been way easier anyways we we went on and uh got to the sheep purgers camp Took down the wall tent, packed up the stove, packed up his food, packed up his gear, got everything on. We got mattresses, sleeping bags, cot, stove, um, wood burning stove. Also, um, all all the stuff. Um, also packing salt, dog food for the sheep for the the sheep dogs up there. And anyways, get everything packed up. We go on. Um, and it's not far to the next camp. Get everything unloaded and. And, uh, it was just a pleasant afternoon. We could see spring city, we're up above spring city here and we could look down on spring city and, and Pete Valley. And anyways, we got his wall tent set back up, stove set back up and we cooked us some lunch and, and, uh, just enjoyed it there for a while. And then we, we continued on and, uh, the whole, and I, and I led that horse out, up out of the mountain there. And, and the whole time my meal was just wanting to swish her tail. Want to swish her tail, and and uh, luckily there was enough of an incline that she had to focus a little bit more on the incline, and her huffing and puffing, uh, trying to catch her breath, than that horse behind her, and and that was, that was probably uh, a big advantage for me, was that uh, the mule had to put forth some physical effort, because it took her mind off that horse, and and that was real good, you know. Unfortunately, the ride wasn't super long. Um, You know, I really wish I could have just rode for, you know, six or seven, eight hours, ponying the horse around there. And, you know, but that wasn't the case. We got back to the truck and, but as I'm, as I'm unsaddling the mule and, and uh, unpacking the horse and get everything lined out, I'm thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to go home and I'm going to go. Yeah, that's right. In the arena in this environment. And I'm going to practice these skills. I'm going to practice moving the hip better, practice moving the front, practice leg yielding better. I needed a leg yield a few times. I'm going to practice picking up that soft feel and getting lightness built there. I'm going to work on the, my stops and backing up because that was not that great. And then I'm also going to work on getting a rope under her tail and, uh, you know, we do this. Basically, I get a, a Lariat rope. I, I got a triple X soft rope that I use, and I, I'll, I'll get that around her neck and, and basically put her in the round pen, and, and I'll just work that rope over her hip, and it ends up under her tail, and basically I can go with her and keep just enough pressure to make it uncomfortable, but not at all to give her any type of rope burn, any type of pain. I'm just going to make it uncomfortable under there, so that she'll keep her tail up and shift her hip away from the rope, and you can see videos of this on our video library. But I'm gonna work at that and and help with that. And then I'm gonna pony. Uh, I got a bunch of babies here, a bunch of colts here that need to be ponied anyways. So I'm gonna do that. And that's kind of how rides go for me. often. So I'll I'll go out there and I'll I'll do some work. I'll I'll uh, you know get out and 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 try to apply things and do things and then. You know, I take note of all the things I need to work on. I go back to the drawing board, back to the back home, back to the arena, whatever. And I work on this stuff. Now, I don't need an arena to work on this stuff either. Don't be mistaken. I could keep just doing this all out there on the, on the trail. You know, the difference though is the risk involved when you're trying to work through this stuff. And I really want my meal to figure it out. I let them flounder. I let them bob around there. Now, sometimes out on the trail, there's situations and places and there's trees and there's water and there's rocks and all kinds of stuff that them kind of blubbering around trying to figure out the answer um, could get us in some trouble. Well, this is why the arena is nice, because we can just ride around in there. There's very, very little risk of, of anything going on with them. It's it's a safe place for them and pretty simple. and And so that's what I'll do with with jojo here uh, but you know that you're always learning and even me I'm, I'm always learning and you'd think that well it's ty evans he he's he's always prepared you know his meals are always perfect prepared that's not the case uh, i'm just like you i'm just like anybody else you know i just because i know stuff doesn't mean that I have been able to apply it on every mule I've ever worked. I got I to gotta go through the process. I, I got to work on this stuff just like anybody else. Just because I know it doesn't give me any super, you know, rights or privileges. Or just because I know stuff doesn't mean my mules are like, oh, well, Ty knows it. I'm going to just do it. No, I still have to practice just like you, just like anybody else. I got to do it. There's a huge difference in knowing stuff and doing stuff. I, I got to go do it too. And and I do. That's what we work on. I, I'm going to go do the stuff. All the stuff that we teach, I actually show up and I do it. And I work on this stuff. And I use this stuff in, in real life. I think a lot of people just see me in the arena. And that's the vision they have of me. They come to a clinic. They work in the arena. Well, that's just our workshop. That's just our classroom for that weekend. That's what I have to be able to use to teach you guys because it's hard to teach you know 10 or 15 of you up on the mountain when you guys scatter out like a bunch of rabbits everywhere i need to keep the fence i always joke in the the clinics that the fence is for you the fence is for the people not the mules (laughs) because i can keep the mules with me pretty easy i know how to do that we've moved plenty of horses plenty of mules and i can keep the mules bunched up just fine without you so the fence is for you. <laughs> that's for you. And uh, anyways, that's why, that's why we do it. But, but, you know, I get out there and do this stuff. I gotta, I, I, and I have to. I got to work on this just like anybody else. And so as you guys are at home and, and you're thinking about this stuff, you know, the, the process is, is critical. And, and I, have, I have much more respect for the process than the result. And I know that if I focus on the process, the result will come. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today was was this process and how important it is. And when you don't have certain pieces of the process or you haven't gotten to a certain part of the process, that's where you run into trouble. And that's kind of where I had my my extra, basically what it was yesterday was an extra workload for me, ponying that horse. Because I hadn't reached these places in the process where I had JoJo that mule. I, I didn't have her going good enough. We we hadn't got far enough up the process to reap the rewards yet. Now we we've, we've been going through the process, and I got just she knows some she knows basic skills, and, and she is safe to a point that uh, you know I mean she's not bothered by stuff. She's not gonna you know I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get in too many binds just on a typical ride but these unique circumstances like ponying this horse if if I didn't have some of the the tools that I got personally my own tools from going through the process building the stuff then then it could have been a bind for somebody else you know it it was for me it ended up just being a big extra workload to go through so this whole process deal um my my coach uh in college and you guys have You've all heard me talk about Louis Fields multiple times on this show and uh you've all heard about my love and respect for that man. He he was an incredible man and but but that guy he you know he was a champion. That guy was a winner. And and he knew he knew about success. He knew about success, you know, in, in his career as a rough stock athlete. He rode, you know, bareback and saddle bronc horses in the PRCA and and won multiple world titles. But he, he, was, he was a champion there, but he was also a champion in life. He was also a great horseman. And, and something that I know I notice about him is, or that I noticed about him, he's, a, he's been passed for a few years now, but was, was the guy knew process. He was all about process, whatever he did. And he was big on the mental game, big on the physical game, big on building your skills. I mean, this guy just really knew how to win. And um, and and he was always wanting to be better. And and that's something that I that I really tried to to take from my time with with Louie was can I just get it? I just need a little dose of that uh, of really wanting to be better because Louie that's what he craved. He wanted to be better at, at anything he did, whether he was coaching us in college whether it was his career as a, as an athlete, um, whether it was just being a dad and a husband and just being a good man, uh, being a man of God. I mean, anything he did, he wanted to be better at it. And, um, I've really tried to, to take that. And unfortunately I, I don't have that in all aspects of my life. There's some things that I just don't want to be better at, you know, like I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to improve my, uh, you know my skills um, you know in construction, for example, like building stuff. you know I, I I'd rather hire somebody to to build my barn, hire them to build my tax shed, and you know that's that's a way for me to be better is is by paying somebody else to do their professional job. while well, I stick to what I do, and that's teaching teaching mulemanship and horsemanship. that's what I'm good at. That's what I know how to do, and that's what I'm striving to be way better at is is this mulemanship stuff i'm always trying to learn trying to improve i think that's the biggest part of the process is the desire the desire to improve but you have to be careful that you don't get so result driven that you actually leave the process behind what i mean by that is sometimes we can get so driven on results. We want to see results. We need to see them. We need to notice results that if we don't notice them, we can easily get discouraged. So something that I've really strived to do is be process driven rather than result driven. I, 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 this might sound, this might sound weird to you, but I, I really, I really don't want to notice Progress on a daily level with my mules, and you can apply this to anything I, I I don't expect to see progress daily, but when I look back and i you know I take a look back on you know last year versus this year or even six months ago versus now or three months ago versus now, that's when I should be able to notice. The progress I could look back, you know, and 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 progress, progress can be measured on so many different level different levels when it comes to mulemanship. You know, the the mind, the body, the maneuver, uh, all these pieces. You you know th- these can be measured, but not necessarily on a daily basis. I don't expect to see huge progress on a daily basis. Um, I, I've, I've, I've heard multiple, you know, sayings about, um, progress. You know, I've heard some people say, you know, we just get 1% a day, you know, in a hundred days, you'd be a hundred percent better. And the, the nerd in me says, well, actually that's not true because, you know, compound interest. (laughs) So you'd actually get to a hundred percent better in less than a hundred days, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to go there. Uh. But, you know, and and then I heard another horseman said, if you're getting 1% a day better, you're actually going too fast. You're expecting too much. You're, You're pushing too hard. And, you know, something I've learned is good mules, good mules take time to make. It takes a long time to make a really good mule. The ones that aren't so great, those are the those are the quick flips. Those are the ones that you can. You, I mean, and it, and it sounds contradictory. I, I heard, uh, you know, Al Dunning was talking about this. He and Martin Block were having a chat about this, and he said, you know, when he, you know, when he was early on training for the public, he had multiple people tell him that, you know, well, they called him a thirty-day wonder. Hey, this is a thirty-day wonder. Get it in, push it, push it, push it. We want it turning, stopping, backing you know all the all the buttons 30 days get it done and and he, and he would do it and you might be thinking well isn't that great in 30 days we can make all this uh, that that sounds like a lot of progress yeah but don't be fooled how do those animals turn out 5 years from now 10 years from now now I'm far enough in my life and my career at this point that I'm looking back on mules that I did that very same thing on, and I'm thinking, oh, crap. Dang it. You, you, you go too fast on them, and you're going to pay the price. Now, it, it might be good, and, and you might think it's, it's pretty cool. You know, I've competed in, in, in several of these, these colt-starting three-day challenges. I've, I've won titles in them. I've, that's where I won my, my national championship was in a three-day cult starting. I've won three titles, <laughs> you know, and it, it's too fast. It's too fast. And I, and I look back now and at the time I thought it was, you know, it was really cool. Everything I could get done in three days and, and how amazing it was. And I'm not saying that the colt startings are bad and I'm not, I'm, I'm I'm not going down that rabbit hole right now because I do enjoy I do enjoy the, the Colt startings and, and I do enjoy those competitions. Definitely. I, I, I do like them. So don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is back, you know, in, in the 30 day wonder days, you know, trying to, to fire train this horse, this mule, just hustle it up and, and get all the stuff done. It did impress the owners at the moment, but I don't think they were able to carry it on and have continual success. And, and I don't know any of those those animals that went on to be really amazing animals, like something to write home about. Yeah, they could do stuff, but pretty basic level. And it seemed like going to we went too fast that it 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 was more of a force deal. It was more like we made them do it than actually letting them learn. Good mules take time to train, you guys. They they take a long time, and you, it's important that you take that time, and and that's where the process that we teach comes in. You know, we have this masterclass going on, our Ty Evans masterclass, and uh, you know, if any of you really want to take things to the next level, you need to join me for next year. But anyways, this masterclass is all about the process. And, and there's different pieces of this process, like I mentioned. Yeah, we're, we're building some maneuvers, but in, over, in order to get the maneuver right, we, we need to get the muscle built and get the mind willing. And it's a process to get that going. The mind, you got to go through the process, get them saying yes. There, there's a lot of moves that people go, well, my, my meal knows how to do that move. How come I'm reviewing it? How come I have to do it again? Well, because it's easy for your mule, and it's an easy yes. You ask them an easy question; they can say yes to it. You get them in a yes frame of mind. We're we're going through the process, building the mind, a willing mind, getting them saying yes. If you if you pull out the the hard stuff right in the beginning, and you're throwing it at them, and it's too difficult, that's when you get them shutting down. Or if you actually get them to do the move, it's probably because you forced it on it. On the mule a little bit you kind of push them a little too far i want my meal i want my mules to actually think about the stuff accept it and understand it all willingly that's what i'm after when it comes to the muscle you know that process just like you and i you you, you got to work that muscle you got to exercise the muscle you got to eat right to build the muscle it has to recover it needs time to rest it needs time to grow all these things Go in to, to building the muscle. And that's what this process is all about. Hey friends, if you're looking to get a mule with great confirmation and a super disposition, you need to check out Scooter B. He stands just under 15 hands tall. He's a red roan, and you can trace his lineage all the way back to the famous foundation jack Texas Scooter. If you've been around the mule world very long you'll recognize that name and that's a great bloodline to follow mules from scooter b they're athletic they're hardworking, they're level-headed and highly trainable and i can vouch for this you guys we've started two of these colts in our colt starting recently both of them were amazing i've seen a lot of these foals out in the past year and they are some good looking youngsters if you want more information you need to call kevin wright his number is 435-979-5144. They'll ship cool semen to you, or they'll do live coverage. Uh, you can also look them up on Facebook, Diamond W Enterprises. Lots of pictures, lots of great information about that jack on there. Hey, and if you're going to book a breed with Scooter B, you need to mention my name, Ty Evans. And Kevin will give you $25 off a breed fee. Check him out. You know, when you, when you care more about the process than the results, there's a, there's all kinds of things that will go your way for, for one, when, when, when I am trusting the process, I I don't get near as upset with my daily struggles. I'm looking at, at these things from, from a bigger picture. What am I trying to make? Trusting that process puts everything in perspective for you. Uh, I I don't worry about the little struggles. I I didn't really get them to move that good. Just like yesterday, you know, working with Jojo, n- none of those struggles bothered me. I promise it didn't it didn't bother me. Yeah, it was a workload, and you could say, well, wasn't that stressful? Well, yeah, it was a little stressful, but you know, I don't mind hard work. So whatever, it's just another day for me. But Um, those little struggles with, that I had with that meal yesterday, they're not a big deal because I know that as I keep going through the process, as I keep going through these steps in order, like we teach in our clinics, you know, we teach, we, we call it the checklist. And I learned it from, from Buck Brandman. You know, he, he taught me that checklist. I've, I've added my own pieces to it. And, and that's what we teach in our clinics is the checklist. And and as I go through that checklist, I know that each move is important. I also know that each move is helping to prepare and get the mule ready for the next move. So, you know, you you might think, well, well, geez, this this lateral stop, what is that good for? You know, and uh, what do you use that for? Well, you know, I really don't use it that much, but guess what? It does help me build a nice quit in the animal, which is important. They need to quit to stop, right? So later on, when I'm working on, on my flat stops, I have that quit in them. They'll know how to quit, which leads to a good stop. You know, they'll also know how to feel of my seat and know what that signal is like. You know, there, there's things I'm trying to build. It also helps to quit moving a specific foot, to to work on stopping a specific foot so I can start a specific foot when I'm working on picking up a soft feel. Okay, well, how valuable is it really to be able to pull back on the reins and have your mule flex at the pole? If we're talking about just that move by itself, what's it good for? Well, nothing, no. But that move, when when you add it to these other pieces, like a stop, picking up a soft feel and then hitting your stop, Oh my gosh! If you guys want good stops, get that soft feel good and get them really good at stopping with that soft feel. That is a good stop so so if if you if you just look at these small pieces and you get so upset about a, a specific move, you know whether it's going good or uh, whether it's going bad or, or it's not so good as, as you would like it to be and you know but trusting in the process helps you see the bigger picture and helps you understand that Okay, we're we're building the mind, we're building the muscle so that we can get the maneuver. Uh, you know, even if you just looked at your mulemanship and I and I tell the master class this all the time because the master class is really structured also physically for the animal. We really consider the biomechanics of the animal and building the muscle, building the movement, building the mobility and flexibility you know, they need to be able to to have that mobility, obviously, to get all these moves done. If they don't have that mobility, it's going to be real hard to get the move done. If they don't have the muscle to support the mobility, it's going to be real hard for them to do that move. So, like in the master class, it's, it's definitely set up to uh, to support the physical part of the animal and building those muscles. So, for example, there, there's a student in in our Masterclass, uh, Vicki Lawson. In fact, she's been on the podcast. Um, I can't remember the episode number, but Vicki Lawson has been here on the podcast. She's a wonderful guest on here, and she is a wonderful student. That lady, she's doing the coaching and the mentoring portion of our of our master class. So I talked to her. I talked to her weekly, if not daily. Now, just looking at her mule, Tube Socks is its name. Tube sock, Tube Socks Trudy. She's just a sweet, sweet little mule. And looking at this mule over the years, if we just look at the physical part of this mule, the mule, this mule through this, we're into this master class seven months now. If you took a picture of it seven months ago, comparing it to today, you would see a huge difference in that mule's physical body. Just her hips are filled out. Just looking at her butt, that mule has really filled out. And because of that, she is way better at her turnarounds, backing up, side passing all the lateral movements, carrying that soft feel, you know, holding that collection, that self care That mule has drastically improved all that. But these moves have brought the physical, the the physical build. They've they've worked on the the physical part of that animal. Not to mention the mind and and the maneuver, of course. Uh, but it, it's a game changer. But that's what the process does. So as I'm working on moves on a daily basis, and, you know, that turnaround doesn't feel that good, that stop wasn't that punctual, and that backup was a little heavy, blah, 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 right? All these things, when I have the process, the big picture in mind, it doesn't bother me. It it doesn't affect me. I don't go to bed thinking, oh, man, that really sucked. Oh, that wasn't good. And, in fact, part of my process is positive thinking. I don't dwell on the the negative, except for learning. I learn from it, definitely. And I take note of things that, you know, like I was explaining with Jojo, I take note of what I need to improve, and I'll I'll put it, I'll I'll even write it down. Just, Just write it down and say, work on these things. But then I think about how good the mule or the horse did, all these other things get really good at praising your animal. That's a huge part of the process for me is, is praising that animal it's, it's so important to, to praise them. And I don't mean, yes, yes, I do mean, I guess, literally, like you can tell them they're great. You can pet them, but in, in your mind, that's the most important part. I want you to think positively about your mule. Don't worry about all the things that you have to fix and improve and, and whatever. Just trust in the process. If you just trust in the process, you're going to fix all those things you don't like. You're going to fix all the stuff you don't like if you just trust in the process. Therefore, you don't need to think about them that much. You don't need to worry about it. If you truly trust in the process, you know the process, you know what you're doing, you don't need to worry about any of the negative stuff any of the stuff they're not good at you don't need to stress about it you barely need to think about it at all focus on what the animal is doing good think about that constantly think about the positive what are they doing good how's that feeling uh, that's great awesome good think about that stuff and it'll be a game-changer for you but trusting in the process it, it it basically liberates you from worrying about the stress. You you don't have to worry about it. It's your free pass to not think about the 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 negative. So you, you guys know that uh you know I, I'm big on the bridle mule process, right? That's that's my focus point is making bridle mules. I follow the great basin tradition of making bridle horses and bridle mules, which is basically we start in the snaffle, go to the hackamore, the two rein, then the bridle. So, my process is I teach my mule or my horse everything I want them to know in life as far as maneuvers go and, and experiences, you know, will come later. But as, as far as maneuvers go and ways I want them to be able to move, That is all taught in the snaffle bit. I don't move on from the snaffle bit until I have introduced all those maneuvers and the mule or the horse has an understanding. They don't have to be great at it. They just need to have an understanding. Then I go to the hackamore and the hackamore is basically just less control. I I, I have a a tool now that I have less control than the snaffle bit. The snaffle bit, I have the most control out of any tool I use. The hackamore, I've lost some. Then I go to the two rein, which is basically a chance for the mule to learn how to carry a bridle bit. When I'm saying bridle bit, I'm talking about a half-breed or a spade, even a correction style bit, um, that type of, of, of bit, basically a, a shank bit that operates off of the curb, okay? Offer, operates off the chin, okay? That's what I'm talking about when I'm saying a bridle bit. When I'm in those, I basically have no lateral control. So I I have, I have basically nothing except for collection. That's basically the only tool I have with the bit. I've given up all lateral control, which I had a lot of in the snaffle bit. I had a little of in the hackamore, um, but in the bridle, it's gone. So that's the process of going through that. But here's, here's the, the real important part is I, I, introduce all this education in that snaffle bit, all these moves, all these maneuvers, all these ways of, of responding to the seat, to the leg, to the rein, And it's a huge introduction and it's a huge time to build some understanding. But then we continue to build on it in the hackamore and we continue to improve it in the two rain. We continue to refine it in the bridle bit. So it's really never totally ending. You're never totally done. You're always trying to get better. I've had a lot of people ask, like with our master class, since I mentioned that earlier, they say, are you going to do a class on the Hackmore? And I said, "Um, actually, there's been multiple people that have done the class in a Hackmore. There's been people that have done the master class in a Touraine. It's all the same. You're just going through the process of teaching it, introducing it, understanding it, bettering it, refining it all the way through. So that helps me keep from worrying about the the minor baby stuff, the little day-to-day struggles. Don't worry about it. Keep going through your process. Keep working on it. If my turns on the forehand or on the haunches weren't that great today, well, who cares? Because I'm going to work on it again tomorrow. I'm going to work on it again next week. I'm going to do it next month. I'm going to do it next year. I'm going to do it five years from now, 10 years from now. I'm continuing to build that. Now, that process has been a blessing to me. And I hope that it can be a blessing to you as well if you can you know, really get into it and and understand it. And for those of you that... You're like, yeah, but I don't, I don't know, I don't have experience in the process. Like Ty, well, you've done it, you have experience. Well, at some point in my life, I hadn't done it, so I trusted in the experience of my mentors. I looked up to my mentors like uh, Buck Brandman and, and Martin Black, my dad. Uh, there, there's multiple people that that I could mention here that I took from from them their process, what they're working on, what they've gone through. And I've implemented that process in my life. And I could rely on their experiences, all their thousands and tens of thousands of horses and mules and hours and miles in the saddle. But, you know, at some point they had to learn too. And they trusted in the experiences of their mentors. A lot of their mentors were Tom Dorrance and and Ray Hunt and Bill Dorrance and these other people. They relied on that experience. Then I relied on their experience. And for, for you guys, hopefully you can rely on my experience. I'm telling you, this stuff works. And I'm not just somebody that sits here and, and, and reads this in a book and studies it and never actually does it. You know, we get out there and use it and do it. This is stuff we use. We implement this. This is stuff that happens every day. This is not just a once a week deal. This is an everyday thing, you know, and not only do I get to rely on my own experiences too, at this point, I'm also seeing all of you have your experiences. I can see you going through the process. I can see what's going on and it's really fun in the master class. all this coaching I get to do. And I mentioned like Vicki Lawson, you know, and, and Lisa Taka and, and there's a whole bunch of them, Sydney and Cynthia and, and, uh, you know, it's really amazing what what they're getting done because they're sticking to the process. So now we got even more evidence that's just sticking to the process. Stick to the program. Have faith in that until you have knowledge. Once you get some experience, it's no longer faith. You're not relying on it, on faith anymore. Now you know it. And that's where I'm at. I know this stuff will work for you. I know the the process pays off, I promise you. So, yeah, if you don't have your own experiences, then trust in, in the experiences of your mentors, whether that's me or somebody else or whoever, you know. So my message to you in this episode is hopefully you'll just do the best you can with the meal you have, the time you have the ability and knowledge you have. Just do the best you can each day. Trust in the process. Be process-driven rather than result-driven. Don't try to get results every day. If you're getting 1% a day better, you're probably going too fast for these good mules. You're probably going too fast. Slow down. Slow cook it. If you guys have ever ate something out of the microwave and then ate something out of a crock pot, we all know which one we like better. Slow cook these animals. Slow cook your education uh, yourself too. You don't have to drink from a fire hose all the time. You doesn't have to be that fast. Just take a little out of time. So anyways, this idea has really blessed me. This concept of, of being process driven rather than result driven has, has helped me tremendously. And I hope it Hope it helps you too. So, I appreciate you guys listening so much. Uh, I, I, I just uh, I love the reviews you guys leave. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate the comments. And if you'd be so kind as to leave a review, tell your friends about this podcast. Share it with them. Send them the episode. Uh, post your favorite episode on social media. Tag us in it. We'd, we'd love to see that. And uh, anyways, God bless you guys so much and uh, have a good one we'll see you down the road hey we want to thank our sponsors western mule magazine ben and Anita Tennyson do a amazing job with their magazine i've been writing for them for a few years now and uh, they're great look up westernmulemagazine.com and check them out